Surprise! It's Behind the Buzz, a public fit theater company's occasional podcast where we continue the conversation about the myriad processes that are involved in creating our season of plays and stage readings. This is a super secret, special, surprise, unplanned bonus episode <laughs> with me, producing director Joe Kukin and artistic director Anne-Marie Pratt. Hi there. And company manager Brandy Blackman has stepped out from behind the lighting booth to help us talk about what we have to look forward to in the season to come. But to start things off, I'm going to let Anne-Marie talk a little bit about why this upcoming season is particularly special. It has to do with a number. Well, it's our 10th uh, oh, It's our 10th anniversary. Anniversary, our 10th yes, season. Can you believe it? That seems... Is that paper? Are we in our... Is that, is that our paper? I don't know. I think that, that might be number one. I don't know. I don't know what the 10th anniversary... What is your anniversary? 10th anniversary? I don't know. Oh, okay. oh listeners comment. Of, Tell oh, us what the 10th, 10th yeah, anniversary is. I don't know what it is, uh, but paper would be suitable you know, <laughs> because of, of the scripts. But uh, I think about the, the number 10 a lot, and, and I it seems like it was just number one. Yeah. Just like seconds ago. I yeah. think it's because we've been working so hard for the last 10 years. It seems to be unending, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm very excited about this year's season. I think we've learned a lot of valuable lessons, and I think, um, I think we're getting better at picking seasons. In fact... I took a lot of great care in picking the season because it was our 10th anniversary. Yeah. Usually I had the season picked at around February or March, yeah. but the staff was really getting on my case because I hadn't picked a season because I just kept reading plays. We kept having play readings at the house because I just didn't find the right combination of plays uh, until very, very late, like May, June. And there was a lot of, I mean, we had a lot of conversations in staff meetings, and I think, Brandy, you might have even been on this side of the of the aisle of people that wanted something um, particularly focused about the 10th uh, season that we were going to do only plays that started with the number 10 in them or uh, no. 10 little Indians, nothing but it Agatha was, Christie plays. I wanted the letter Q. I wanted the letter Q. <laughs> That's a whole other <laughs> subject. Good Lord. You're opening us up to <laughs> controversy. No, I think that the a 10th anniversary, a big, uh, a big mark like that, a benchmark it does deserve special consideration. Yeah. Uh, and but I think we put a lot of care into every season's uh, lineup, so it just had to it had to land where we wanted it to land theme right. wise. Right. So it, it couldn't just be like, oh, these these seven titles happen to line up a certain way. We had to say no. This is what we want to line up. This is how we want it to line up, and find the titles that would right. then fit those slots. And, and just as, as storytellers, I uh, we are attracted to certain types of plays. That is true. <laughs> uh, and um, we like there to be a lot of artistry in the way we express a story. And we, theatricality. I mean, just simple yeah, theatricality. Yeah, the theatricality of, of telling story. Yeah. Um, but as the years have passed, I have found that the stories that I like most are the ones that move me emotionally and are not as intellectually driven uh, as a combination of emotional and uh, intellect uh, combined. Like, I, I need to have both of those components for me to be um, really um, impressed by a story. Hi. This is Tina Rice, a founding member of a public fit theater company. 
I've worked with Anne-Marie and Joe since the beginning, and I think I tie Timothy Cummings for having acted in the most APF main stage productions. I have been extremely fortunate to have performed in some amazing shows, to have formed some lifelong friendships, and to have engaged with audiences to deliver what I consider some of the best theater experiences in Las Vegas, mostly due to the hard work and dedication of Anne-Marie and Joe. Anne-Marie and Joe have devoted so much of themselves in order to create thoughtful, creative, and exceptional work that has been responsible for shaping and changing theater in our community. Theater provides connection through a shared experience and it can influence our way of thinking. It can be informative, entertaining, therapeutic, social, cultural, religious, or political. Thanks to Anne-Marie and Joe, APF has created work that allowed audiences to experience all of this. Thank you, Anne-Marie and Joe, for providing me with wonderful memories that I could not have had without you. Happy anniversary to APF, and here's to 10 more years. The first show of our season is a stage reading of The Lifespan of a Fact uh, by Jeremy Carrigan and David Morrell and Gordon Farrell. Uh, Gigi Gizzato's directing that. Would you say that that's a story that's... that's um, it sounds like something that you were talking about. It sounds like that is a story that takes intellect and emotion and sort of... Yeah, well, it's both... Uh, there's two uh, factions in that in that play, and uh, there's a fact-checker who's very um, driven to make sure that he gets the facts uh, correct in this particular essay, and then the, there's the journalist who wants to be truthful in telling his story, but what he finds to be truthful is not about necessarily about fact. It's about finding the heart and the truth of the story. Okay, before we get far, too far off in the weeds about yeah. who and what and where, let's just do a really quick summary of that play. Is that fair? So it's a three-character play, two men and a woman. And Brandy, if you had to give a 10-second elevator pitch about what the play was about, how would you, how would you summarize the lifespan of a fact? I would say that it highlights the difference between fact and truth and how they are not always the same thing. Okay, that's it. Steam, what's it about? Uh, it is about a young man who butts head with an old grouch and the woman who has to mediate their experience together. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more specific. We have Bravo. a. We, I liked that. No, I liked it too. I think I, 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 that was a good soundbite. I agree. It's a great soundbite. We'll print it on the T-shirt. Um, but I think to be even more specific, it is about a young editor uh, or a young fact checker, rather, who is hired by an editor to fact check uh, over the course of a weekend. It wants to be done in, in two days. Over the course of a weekend, wants to fact check an article about a suicide in Las Vegas. This is a play, actually, most of it is, is set in Las Vegas, about a suicide in Las Vegas. And that's why I picked it. It's yes. part of why you picked it, And yeah. I would correct you and say that it is not an article. It's an essay, That's part. It? That's part yeah. of the, isn't that one it's of the lines the, in the it's play? It's part of the argument, like, okay, what's well, the you, difference, right? You've all interrupted me. Let me try it one more time. It is about a young <laughs> fact checker who has been hired to by an editor to fact check an essay that appears in a prestigious magazine that is facing, uh, actually facing some financial troubles. And it's meant to be done over the course of a weekend. He's meant to come in on a Saturday and a Sunday, read the article, check all the facts, and send it right to printing. And this fact-checking uh, is actually, this whole story is based on a true story. It took seven years. <laughs> it took seven long years of, of these two writers sort of butting heads and determining what uh, was really the nature of truth. It's a, it's a remarkable play. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I like about it, it's concise, too. It's not meandering. The play is not meandering at all. It's concise. It's to the point. It's uh, it. The play is going to take maybe 75 minutes yeah. to tell that story. And, and that's a difficult task to oh, do. Oh, sure. It's to tell a story in 75 minutes. Betsy Norton here. I'm an actor originally from Indianapolis, and auditioning for APF was one of the best decisions I've made here in Las Vegas. I'm so grateful to know Anne-Marie and Joe, and so thankful for the work that they're doing and putting out for the Las Vegas community. Congratulations, and cheers to another great year. You've got Gigi Gizzotto mm-hmm. directing. Did you assign her that play for any particular reason? Was that? Uh... Yeah, actually I did. She did such a wonderful job on Lydia. And also she is a translator and she cares a lot about words. She, right. She has uh, taken it upon herself to translate her family's uh, plays and, and other pieces of literature uh, from uh, Spanish to English. Uh, and I think vice versa. She she works with a group out of London, and so this is a this is a wonderful director, actress, writer, playwright who cares about words. And that's those are our dogs in the background. Just in case you guys were wondering, they're having a great time, and they don't care about this podcast. No, yeah, they're, they're, we, we thought they were going to behave. I thought so too. No, they are completely disinterested in the, the yeah. solemnity of the of the podcast. This is Norm Kresge. I answered the summons from the Tinker 10 years ago. Since then, a public fit has brought me plays that make me think, make me happy, and make me sad. Here's to the next 10 years. That's, well, that's great. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to turn to Brandy because you know me. You guys just tell me what day to show up and point me in the general direction, and I'm there. I have no idea when this play goes up. When can we expect to see the lifespan of a fact? And this is our first opening uh, show will be out at the Las Vegas Library and a stage reading, and it will be uh, presented on the evening of September 29th, yeah, and the afternoon of September 30th. That's right. We're doing Clark two. We're doing two performances of the readings again all this season. Every reading gets two performances this time, yeah. Yes. And we're back and trying to uh, see if we can't um, excel again in how we present our stage readings. We had so many people last season just come up and. And, and say to me personally, you're sure this is a stage reading? This really felt like a, a fully realized production. What's the, what's the difference? Uh, our staged readings, our designers get to hint at what they might see um, if, it were, if it were fully bloomed and realized. Yeah. So if... Uh, and a great example would be when we did August Osage County many years ago as a stage reading. That play requires a three-story house. That house yeah. is basically a character in that. How do you build a three-story house with no budget? How do you imply a three-story house with sure. little to no budget? Uh, so this is a place where our designers get to dream big and then think outside the box about how they can imply what those ideas are for our audiences. Happy 10th anniversary, APF. This is Diane Walton, your Associate Production Manager, and I'd like to congratulate you on being a company that not only talks the talk, but walks the walk. The passion and the drive the company has for sharing stories in the community is obvious through your free staged readings, and coincidentally, I've been fortunate enough to design six sets for APF over the past few seasons, 
And along with the four readings this season, it'll bring my total to our anniversary number 10. I honestly can't express my gratitude enough to Anne-Marie and Joe for believing in me and giving me the opportunity to not only be creative, but experiment and learn. I'm so excited for our upcoming season, and I wish APF an amazing 10th year. And where that idea came, uh, how that blossomed, is actually when we went to Amsterdam. Yeah. And not that I am, I am not Van, Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> None of us are, Anne-Marie. No, None of us are. I'm not implying that. But what I was, <laughs> I was very impressed uh, with looking at his works because he would do sketches on pieces of wood, on cardboard, anything you could find because he was so poor. And he would sketch out his ideas, and those sketches would lead to his masterpieces. And I think that uh, all different types of artists, whether they're dancers or visual artists or theater makers, right, storytellers, we have to have that same process as well. It's a lot of pressure to fully uh, produce a show with a larger budget, and it's really nice as a director and as, as a designer to have a space where you can explore. You're talking about the reading specifically, the yes. chance to really take risks. and yeah, uh, I love, I, I mean, we're directing a reading this yeah. year, and I, I'm so excited about it. Yeah, oh, and that's a particular, well, we'll talk about that in a, in a, in a few moments, but it's, um, yeah, that's a particular, <laughs> it could be a particularly weird one. Hello, my name is Constance Tashner. I'm originally from Cape Creek, Arizona, and I moved out to Las Vegas two years ago. A public fit to me is wonderful and inspiring. Um, They are the first theater outside of school to give me an opportunity to work professionally um, as a sound designer and amazing and I love every moment of it. Um, I just love the scripts. They're always different and there's new challenges that comes with each one for my designing. I love the people I work with, directors, designers, the actors. I love the community that they have built and I love everyone a part of it. And I just want to keep growing, and they're helping me grow and seeing new things. And I just love it. So congratulations on 10 seasons, and I can't wait to work with you guys more in the future. Thank you. So that's our that's our first reading, The Lifespan of Effect. We're going to open up our main stage season. And just a reminder to everyone, we're back at Super Summer uh, Theater Studios um, for uh, these first two shows. We're doing Indecent. Uh, by Paula Vogel. Emery, you and I are are directing that, and I don't know about you, I'm scared shitless. I'm less scared, but I have spent... Oh, thank God. (laughs) Somebody has to be. My God. I've spent the last month uh, really digging into the play, and the reason why I think... Um, well, you, we, said, you said to me the other day that this is the most prepared. I mean, we haven't had our first rehearsal yet. We've had auditions. We've had a lot of design meetings. But you told me the other night this is the, the most prepared you've ever been at this point in our process. You know why I think it, uh, that's the case is because we had to hire uh, different people. There, there's so many different moving parts to this, this play. I had to hire a musical director. Yeah. I had to hire a choreographer. Uh, then we had to hire all of the designers. So when you have to start hiring people, you have to start looking into their worlds sure. in order to understand what it is that you're asking them to do. And, and to point s- them in a direction. Yes. So wait, so you're telling me that Indecent is a musical? 
No. No. Uh, there is singing. There is dancing. Yes, but not a musical. Singing, dancing, but not a musical. No, it's a play with music. And how I think the music supports the story is it helps us to understand uh, the Jewish culture that's deeply embedded in the story. It also helps us to understand the time period because there was a lot of vaudeville during that time period. So I think the style of dancing um, will hint hint to that. You want to tell me what time period? Yes. Well, actually, uh, the play is based on a, uh, another play called God of Vengeance, which was actually written in, I think, 1906. And uh, from there, that play toured all around uh, many parts of Europe. And then it uh, decided to make its debut in 1922 down in Greenwich Village. And the producers of that play, Sholem Ashen, and the team wanted to take it to Broadway, uh, and then in 1923, the play was shut down because uh, at the very end of the play, and this is not a spoiler alert because they, uh, this is not a spoiler because it's mentioned in the very beginning of the play, there is a romantic uh, kiss that happens between two women in the rain. And um, so the play takes place uh, uh in that time period, and then it moves through the 30s and 40s and ends in the 1950s. So, so this it covers a, a, a large span of time. This is another play based on actual events, much like yes. Life of the Fact. This one is also sort of based on, on actual events. And it's complicated because of the music and the dancing and the play within the play and the multiple characters that are introduced into the story to be able to track all of that information. So I think because of the complexity of the story, that's what, what uh, created a lot of fear between you and I. Mazel tov on your 10-year celebration, Anne-Marie. We love each and every production at A Public Fit. Your dedication, your passion, and creativity is evident in every play. We appreciate the effort and love that goes into making A Public Fit a success story. And we know that every time we attend, we'll learn and grow from the experience. Thank you, Anne-Marie and Joe. And we look forward to the coming year ahead. Love, Lori and Kenny. There, there, there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of, a lot of scheduling, <laughs> a lot of oh, scheduling to be done. Yeah, well, Brandy, <laughs> that's, your, that's your fort. You are, the, you are the scheduler par excellence. Have you finished? Uh Anne Marie actually helped me with the one this this time, and it made it a little easier uh, because then I was more sure about exactly what she needed covered right. during you know early stages of rehearsals. Uh, but we we have currently we think successfully scheduled out three weeks worth of rehearsal, so we'll see where that gets us. <laughs> okay, with time for for dancing rehearsals and singing rehearsals, they're and gonna be singing, a little they're bit of acting. Dancing, they're going to be reading from the script. Yep. Can I say why it's yeah. it's so complicated? And, yeah. and this will help um, our listeners who don't live in Las Vegas. While uh, a public fit works very hard to pay all of its artists, and we label ourselves as a professional theater company, we don't live in a theatrical city. So all of the artists who work for us have to make a living doing something else. Sure. So they have to work at other jobs. And so unlike... Uh, if you lived in New York City or maybe Chicago and you have a, a, an equity contract, you can work for at that contract and act for eight hours a day. That sure. is not the case in our city. So we have we are we try very hard to be very respectful of people's schedules. This is Timothy Cummings. 
and I have been with the Public Fit Theater since their first production of Foxfinder in 2014. I've always admired their courage, their tenacity, their sheer stubbornness, and their ability to tell amazing stories. And I look forward to 10 more years and a thousand more shows beyond. Well, we've been at this for 10 years now because this is our 10th season. And I don't know that we've ever, in all of this, we, we've paid everybody. But in this 10 years, I don't know that we've ever paid anybody what they're actually worth because that is, that is a, a near impossibility um, in the arts world these days. And I just read about another theater closing um, uh, the other day. Portland, I think, artist rep is, uh, has canceled the, the, their season. So it's, it's becoming a, a bit of a... Well, theater's expensive. I mean, you have to yeah. pay the scenic designer, the lighting designer, costume designer. You have to pay the sound designer. There are props. There are set pieces. You sure. have to pay the director. You have to pay the choreographer. You have to pay the musical director. And the actors. The actors. You have to pay the stage manager, the assistant stage manager. You have to pay the deck crew. I mean, <laughs> it is... Uh, and I haven't even mentioned everything. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at the we schedule. We have musicians on the stage We have musicians show, on too. stage a, for a this A graphic film? designer, box office. <laughs> I'm looking at this, at this budget, and I can say with full confidence that this is our most uh, expensive play to date. It is. Yeah. I'm surprised it edged out August Osage County. Right? We, we managed <laughs> to do it. But it did. Yeah. It did, yeah. I think it was props that put us over the edge. Probably. <laughs> it, it's going to be that it's going to be that one suitcase. So do you want it? So indecent, so indecent by Paula Vogel, that's our second show. When's uh, What are the dates on that one, Brandy? Uh, that opens on October 27th. Uh-huh. And it closes November 20th. Is that four weeks? It is a four-week run that will include three Monday night industry nights. Right. We're back to industry nights. And I think, and I, I can't, I wish I had uh, Kirk and Michelle. Kirk is um, uh, the president of our board and his wife. They produce our Outburst series. I think we're going to have an Outburst for, for that one as well. They so have those expressed of you who love storytelling. interest in that. And yeah. we're hoping that it carries through. Um, and uh, it'll... Our tentative date on that is right now November eighth. Right, night of storytelling. Well, you know, and I'll put this—I'll put this uh, pitch out here now. Um, if anyone has been to the outbursts and has seen our storytelling events and wants to get up on stage and has a story to tell, uh, write us uh, at behind the buzz at apublicfit.org and just let me know that you're interested in being one of our storytellers. I'll pass your information along to the producers, and we'll see if we can't get you up there. Um, to tell your tales. Hi, this is Lisa Lynn Chapman, Associate Producing Director. In the seven years I've been with a public fit theater company, I can say the deep and lasting relationships that I have developed over the years, as well as the opportunity to bring beautiful and quality theater to our community has been the greatest gifts, and I am grateful for APF for giving them to me. So that's indecent. Then we're back to the library again with our next reading. We finally get to do Pipeline by Dominique Mariso. Yes, I'm so excited we got the rights. Blind Brandy, what's what's Pipeline about? Pipeline is you be about you're you have now what? just been labeled the 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 ten. Yeah, I am now the summarizer. Yes, you're the summarizer. Okay. Emery hates it when uh, I do that to her. She's she's so happy. Pipeline is about a young man who gets in trouble at his private school and his mother is unhappy with him. And so they have to re- find a resolution on how to deal with his uh, misbehavior. I like it. And what is it that's so compelling about that play, uh, Emery, that we've that we've been um, just chomping at the bit to finally be able to do it? What is it that compels you about Pipeline? 
Well, I love the writing. Yeah. Uh, the way Dominique Mariso uses language is beautiful. And it, it's a story, uh, a tale, a cautionary tale that keeps being told over and over and over again about that pipeline from, uh, of the black man in a high school setting. And if he's not taken care of and he, he doesn't have people to support him and love him and care for him, that being family members and the education system, right, and society and all of us as citizens, uh, a wonderful human being like himself, Omari, could find himself in the prison system. And that's why I think it's a powerful story. Dear Anne-Marie and Joe, this is Bill Ray. I've been a longtime fan and supporter of APF, and it is a pleasure to have this opportunity to briefly comment. Your work and the work and efforts of the wonderful actors and staff you have brought together over the years have been amazing. It has been such a delight to have been able to attend your many productions. I look forward to much more great work by you and everyone in the future. Thanks for what you do. My very best regards, Bill. So you used the word pipeline in your, in your description. What, the pipeline from, from what to where? Well, in the case of this story, it's the, the pipeline um, from high school to prison. Right. Uh, the education system to, to prison. Uh, but I think you can use that metaphor from, you know, the fam from family life to prison. And it's not that it's the fault of any parent. Absolutely not. But, you know, we have to care for certain individuals in our society. And this is, a, is, uh, is about a, particularly about a mother who is a school teacher who cares fiercely for her son, and she's uh, she loves him and she worries for him and she wants the best education for him, and um, so they put him in a private school, and unfortunately one of his teachers makes him the token black student, and because of what's happening in his personal life, he becomes upset with his teacher and they have a, a, a scuffle, they have an argument and. It's not clear uh, what happens between the two of them because we don't see that. It's just talked about right. in the play. But he gets expelled from school for pushing his teacher. Uh, and so, therefore, um, the mother is doing everything in her, her power the, to find her son because he's, he's taken off uh, and to protect him and, and to get him back into the education system so that he can, can succeed and... and and be a viable citizen. You've talked about you talked about the writing in this play. There's a lot of poetry in it, and act and really active poetry. Um, we're bringing in Jason Nias yes. to direct this. Jason had tremendous success with August Wilson's The Piano Lesson, and also great success with the reading last season. Skeleton uh, he did Skeleton season before last. Season before last. That's right. I'm sorry, not last season. Two seasons ago, Skeleton Crew. He brought in this dynamic movement, creating the feeling of an automotive plant through through sound and, and physicality. Is he looking, is, do you think he's going to bring some of those same techniques to, uh, to this reading? I think he could do that in the transitions uh, between scene to scene uh, if he, he chose to. I, I think what a particular production did in New York was they generated um, actually like B-roll uh, of kids in high school and they had projections, and that was quite effective. I'm not quite sure what Jason will do with it. Jason's a very uh, creative person with yeah. a, a lot of heart, and he, he possesses a lot of skills. He's a gymnast, he's a dancer, 
he's an actor, he's a director, he's a clown. He, he, he has a lot of different skills and he can draw from a lot of different places in him, within himself in order to tell a story. So I'm curious to see what he does with it. Well, it's like you say the readings offer an opportunity for a lot of risk and, and, and challenge. It sounds like uh, Pipeline offers all that stuff just by itself. Brandy, you want to tell us the dates for Pipeline back out at the college, at the, uh, not the college, at, at the, the library? library? Yeah. Again, at Clark County Library, uh, Pipeline, you can see that on the evening of January 26th or in the afternoon on January 27th. Working with APF is such a gift because when you're working with them, nothing stays on the surface. You dig and you dig and you dig and you find all these treasures and uncover all these puzzle pieces and then you put them together. It's just such an amazing feeling when you're working with people who are as, as passionate about theater as you are. It's like opening a treasure chest. So then we're back. We're back at uh, the uh, uh, Super Summer Theater Studios with a, a play by Alistair McDowell. One letter, one letter title of this play is called X, being directed by Jake Staley. And he, you know, uh, Jake, they went out of their way. Jake really went out of his way to bring us this this play and had a really strong interest in, in directing it. Did you take a lot of convincing, Emery, to put it into the season? No, Jake came over to the house and we read the play and I loved the play and... Uh, there were many things I, I loved about that whole experience when we read it at the house. Yeah. Uh, first of all, how much Jake loved the play, how um, I was on the edge of my seat wondering how this play that is about climate change and that is set on Pluto and has a space station and they wear spacesuits. I'm sorry, I, I missed that. I, I, yeah. I, I thought you said, and this is just, I'm not paying attention. I thought you said it was set on Pluto. Yeah, it is set on Pluto. Oh, good so Lord. The play is set on Pluto. But that's so what I like. Yeah, that's what I like about Alistair. So it's, Alex it is a sci-fi play. Yeah, it's a sci-fi play. And that's what I like about Alistair McDowell is he takes subjects that people don't typically write about uh, for the theater, and he puts those subjects on stage. The last play that we did, Brilliant Adventure, it had a time machine that was made out of a cardboard box, and I think that's fascinating. And now here we are doing a play that's set on Pluto uh, and in a space station. So that's really interesting. And also um, the world, uh, in the world of the play, Earth is falling apart. Yeah. And I think, I think we need to listen to stories about that because that's pretty relevant right now. Hey, this is Jake Staley, Associate Artistic Director at A Public Fit. What I particularly love about working here is Anne-Marie and Joe continuously carve out a protected rehearsal process, I believe, is vital to freely explore and express creativity and inspirations. Um, in any profession, uh, artistic endeavor, or, or creative process, if the individual doesn't feel completely safe to try new things without fear of someone um, taking a swipe at their neck, metaphorically speaking, then that individual is in a, a hostile environment that stifles any genuine creative ingenuity. Um, I, think, I, I think Vegas in general does a good job of creating these safe environments already, but Joe and Anne-Marie and the entire APF creative team, Brandy, David, Lisa, 
Uh, I, I will stop naming people, but uh, everyone really has a strong awareness of this principle. It's the one standard I think is absolutely essential, and APF has done an impeccable job of upholding that standard. I'm extremely excited to be directing X by Alastair McDowell this season. It's a psychological thriller with Joe's favorite sci-fi elements. Uh, we're still unfolding the goods within the script, but we're geared up to pair a stellar cast with some over-the-top technical elements uh, produced by our fabulous designers. I don't think I've ever looked forward to a show more in my life, so we're hoping to see you all there to join in that production come February 9th this season. I remember during the reading here at the house, and I'm curious about this too, the reading at the house, in looking at the actual physical script of the play, there are four pages where a line is simply the letter X repeated over and over and over uh, again. And I'm really curious as to not just the playwright's intent for that, but how that's going to be interpreted by the team. Yeah, I'm so glad I don't have to do right? that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Jake seems pretty confident about it, so <laughs> well, we've we'll had let some, him solve that problem. We've had conversations. He's had some great ideas, and it's really clearly a play that has um, burrowed its way into his brain. He's doing he's doing a lot of thinking about it. He's he's thinking about this about as much as you're as you've been thinking about indecent. I think. I think if Jake didn't get to direct X, I, I think that he would have um, exploded. <laughs> Brandy Emery says the play's about climate change. I think, I don't know if it's That's about climate theme. change. It's a th well, you said it was about climate change. One of the themes. Okay. What would, a, what's, yeah. what tell you, you want to do your summary of, of X for us? Brandy, you're, you're betting a thousand so far on the on the summaries oh, of plays. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to veer a little on this one. Okay. Because my personal summary of this play uh -huh. is it made me angry, but <laughs> not for the reason that somebody might think. Oh, my. <laughs> okay, that's but your summary? That's a, but that's a good thing. It, uh, and it took me a while to realize that when we did the table read, uh -huh. because when the play ended, I was really angry because I thought I knew what was going to happen. Oh, you got fooled for and once. And I didn't. Ah. Um, and, uh, and, and there was a small part of me that was like, we can't do this play. This is, it made me mad. We can't do this play. And then the other larger part of me said, that's exactly why we should do this play. Oh, that's interesting. Is because it generated such a strong reaction. It, it, a, 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 a compelling play doesn't have to make you happy. It doesn't have to be something you agree with. It just has to generate an emotional response. It has to make me want to talk about it. And I wanted to talk about it. You know, it's funny you say that. And I'm going to admit the same thing. I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see the arc of the play going in the direction that, it, that it, it went in. And I think, like you, I'm usually pretty good about sussing those things out and having a good idea of where yeah. a play is I usually know to, who's going to gonna die go. at the beginning of the horror movies. Right, yeah. I didn't see this one coming. Yeah, okay. Um, so that's actually, you want to give, oh, well, let me, you know, so my quick summary, as long as we're summarizing plays, uh, it's about a research team on Pluto that finds themselves disconnected from Earth. They're no longer receiving transmissions from Earth. So uh, over the course of, months and then perhaps years they realize that they may have been abandoned and that there may be that there may be um no rescue coming and the way that that uh affects their psyche and their stories is is the meat of the play when's uh, what are the dates on this one brandy uh you can see alistair mcdowell's x from february 9th to march 4th is that a four-week run that's another that's it a four is a four-week run? run that includes the three monday industry nights as well Monday industry nights and another Wednesday outburst. I think during that one, if we can get uh, I hope Kirk online, I hope so too. And I'll, I'll make another pitch. 
storytellers out there, get us uh, get us your info. We'd love to get you up on stage. Hello, this is Andrew Calvert, uh, actor and proud company member. Um, so I just wanted to get involved after I'd seen When the Rain Stops Falling back in 2016. I really appreciated the quality, the care and the specificity that went into the work. And after sneaking into some rehearsals throughout the rest of that season, and of course auditioning, uh, I was lucky enough to get cast in my first show, uh, Wit, where I actually met my uh, future best friend and later partner. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been gifted over and over again with incredible roles, and I'm just so, so grateful for those opportunities and so proud of the work that we've produced with some of the best talent in Las Vegas and beyond. So yeah, I can honestly say that APF has been quite life-changing and, you know, I don't even know if I'd still be in Vegas if it weren't for that. Um, but I'm excited to see what they'll do next. Um, you know, they continue season after season to provide opportunities for even more actors, directors, designers, uh, and most importantly, um, our audience. Uh, we've got quite the season planned, as I'm sure you've heard. Um, and like so many before it, it's, it's like no other. This company continues to push the boundaries of what this collective uh, can do. So congratulations again, and thank you for doing what you do. I know it's such hard work running a theatre company, uh, but it makes me very, very happy that you do, because I think it's awesome. Fantastic. We're back at the library with our next reading, and we have a returning champ. Well, I guess uh, I'm looking at the at the playwrights and, and uh, Dominique Mariso we've done before, Alistair McDowell we've done before. Here's another playwright that we have done before, the ridiculously, um, yeah, popular Lauren Gunderson. We will be doing staging a reading of Exit, Pursued by a Bear. They're we've hired the bear. <laughs> it's a lie. It, it was, a lie. I was no one of those bear. hard difficult things that we had to do but we we have hired the bear complete lie no bear there's no bear in this play bear suit no that's a lie there's no bear suit in this play exit pursued by a bear there's a bear is there a bear so many lies there's a lot of new in this play i think there's a lot of new in this in this reading for us the the least of which is the the play itself this is an unabashed comedy and i don't know looking back at our 10 years if we can say that we have done an unabashed comedy before is that fair yeah, but it still has some messaging. Well, of course it does. It's, it would about, be... it's about domestic abuse. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so if you if you don't attack the style of this play in in the proper way, right? And you and you make everything really heavy and serious and psychological, you're going to kill the comedy out of it, and you're going to see the domestic story. Sure. And what she builds it. What? How does how does Lauren Gunderson build this play? She calls it a what a a, a dark. A dark feminist revenge comedy? Is that? Is that, that might right? be. I remember at uh, when we announced the season at our final reading um, back in June of our of last season. Right. Um, we coined it a dangerous comedy. A dangerous comedy. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty. That's pretty good. You want to summarize it, Brandini? Uh, Exit pursued by a bear is about a wife who has had it up to here with her husband. And so she enlists the help of her new friend, Sweetheart, also known as Peaches, and her best friend, Simon, to teach the degenerate husband a lesson. I would add one, I would add one adjective to that. She's sick of her abusive 
husband. Yeah, yes. and it it uh, it becomes kind of a trial, isn't it? There's a there's a sense of of did he, didn't he? Um, is she is she overreacting? Is she a little a little loopy? Uh, and he's also the husband. The abusive husband is given an opportunity uh, to try and win his his wife back. Um, but he's very manipulative, yeah. and, and and she sees right through the manipulation. It's hysterical. I, the, I, I love it. I I've never laughed so hard as uh, in an audition as I did with auditions for this for this play. The the actors were ridiculous. Um, the other thing that was uh, this brand new about this for us is we have a brand new director coming out of this. When Tracy Correa uh, will be directing this reading, Emery, you want to tell us a little bit about Tracy? Tracy is a international uh, choreographer and director, and I worked with Tracy, I would say about 12 years ago out at Spring Mountain Ranch. She had come in to work on The Drowsy Chaperone uh, as a a choreographer and in support of the director at the time. I was the assistant director, and she's a very talented woman. And also, she's a wonderful leader. I love being in the room with her. She has a wonderful sense of humor. She knows how to be um, be clear and inspire people without being too heavy-handed. She's just a lot of fun, and she's also smart, and she knows how to, to lead people with a lot of grace with her great sense of humor. Anne-Marie and Joe, this is Karen. I am so proud of, well, everything. I watched both of you grow up in the theater and now this glorious theater organization you've created, the team you've assembled, and the remarkable innovative storytelling you do. Bravo. And on a more personal note, thank you. When I was in a very dark place, you invited me into your world and entrusted me with a very complex and compelling character surrounded me with the most wonderful, talented people and consciously or unconsciously helped me get through that difficult time. Las Vegas is so lucky to have two people with such a commitment to community and the high artistic standards and a place to go to experience high quality, professional local theater. I'm not alone in looking forward to each of APF's upcoming productions. What was it about this play and, and Tracy that, that synced up for you, Emery? Why, why give her this one? She's done a lot of musicals, yeah. and some of the trap trappings of a musical is that you can be have you can take on the style of doing musical theater, and your characters cannot be uh, they're not psychologically driven. You don't care about them because they're so focused on the style that they haven't found the heart of the character. And she really understands the balance between those two those two worlds. And in fact, after we read the play at the table, she talked about that, that if we swing too far over to one side in terms of storytelling and make it too campy, we're not going to care about these people. And she really wants to ground them and still find the humor. And I saw that in auditions too. She was, she was. There were people that were just very funny, but they just weren't quite believable. They weren't. They weren't. She was very careful about taking these characters and ensuring that they remained real people. And I think that's that's exactly what you're talking about. Is going to serve this play very well. Mm-hmm. 
Brandy, here we go. What are the dates for Exit Pursued by a Bear? And this can, is a stage reading. We're back at the library for we this We are. One. We are back at the reading. You can see it the evening of March 29th or the afternoon of March 30th. Right. And get, get your tickets early for that one. I yeah, mean, they it, cost a lot of money. Yeah, zero dollars. We're still free. We're, we're still offering the readings uh, for free. And then... Back, we're not back at the we're not back at, at Super Summer uh, Theater Studios for our final main stage production. We're actually um, working in concert with Vegas Theater Company. Yes, but we are back, but we're just not back again. We're back with we're, Vegas Theater Company. We're back with so Vegas Theater Company out the Art yep. Square Theater uh, with our our final sort of main stage production. Yeah, and I have to you know do just a shout out to Vegas Theater Company and Daz Weller, the artistic director. Whenever we have found ourselves without a home, yeah, not once, not twice, but th I think this is the third time. Yeah, he always says, "Yes, come over, I'll, I'll, I'll find space for you in, in our season." And not just that, not just find space. He's already, I mean, he's made us part of his uh, promo packages as well. He's in, in all of his publicity for his season. He's included. Yeah, both uh, Majestic Vegas Theater Company and a Public Fit. It, it's this. Three Musketeers attitude, all for one and one for all. We're all really trying to support each other because we we need to in order for theater to really survive in Las Vegas. We see theater being shut down in multiple cities. And I think actually we're in a special position here in Las Vegas, right? We're not so big that we're in danger of closing our doors, but in order for us to survive, we have to be supportive of each other and not be territorial. And that's um, what I see from Daz and from Troy. Christopher Brown here sending out a nod of gratitude to Anne-Marie and Joe for continuing to maintain APF as an artistic home within the Vegas community. I can remember sitting across from Anne-Marie 10 years ago with an obscure little play by the name of Foxfinder kicking this whole thing off. and. Look what it's become. So uh, here's to another 10 years of uh, APF offering collaboration to uh, Vegas artists. Well, we share, yes, we should, Troy, uh, Troy Hurd over at Majestic. We share um, not, not, just, not just actors, not just audiences, but we share directors, and, we share, and now we're sharing spaces as well. So we're back at, uh, at Art Square with Brian Friel's Dancing at Lunasa. This is, this is a... Um, is, seminal might not be the right word, but this is a, 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 a very important play in the Irish canon, right? When I was in school, it was sort of um, Sean O'Casey and then Brian Friel. Those were your, your Irish playwrights. This it was, was a modern classic. Yeah, a modern, a modern classic. Good, I like that. Um, directed by Barbara Brennan, one of the doyens of, of Las Vegas theater. Um, finally, she's directing for us on the main stage. And uh, just from watching her work at auditions, I think this is going to be a hell of a production. The, the the cast that she's assembled and the the company that she's put together, the thoughts that she's had for this play. I'm, I'm Barbara's really... Irish. Is that true? Oh, yep. Brennan, of course she is. I'm yes, Barbara Brennan. Barbara's sure Irish, she and she in audition she talked a lot about her brother uh, and how the Irish tell stories. You know, I, this sometimes they don't always tell the truth when they're telling a story. There's a there's a little bit of, um, I don't, the word isn't sweet. Irish embellishment? Yes, <laughs> Irish embellishment. No, it just, there's a playfulness in the storytelling, which means that they really stretch the truth. And, and so there's a way of telling story 
that is uh, inherent to that culture, and she really understands that. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Barbara's really good at, at telling family stories. Uh, she did Alabaster for us last year, and this is another family story uh, that has a lot of heart to it. It's about, f you know, sisters, uh, poor sisters in the 1930s. Very, and very poor. Very poor. And in order to succeed as a female in the 1930s, you had to be pretty and you had to be married before you were 20 years old. And then, and that's not going to happen for any of these women in, in this story. So the, it's about how they survive in this time period together. And it's a memory play. And so it, it reminds me a lot of, of Glass Menagerie in this way because uh, one of the sons of uh, the, the sisters, Chris, um, she has a son named Michael, and he tells the story through his lens yeah. as an older man. I adore Anne-Marie and Joe so much. I love working with them, and I'm so excited for the things we're, we're going to be doing in the future and things we've done in the past. And I always think about um, Complete Female Stage Beauty. It was such an amazing show for so many reasons. It was just so much fun to work with. It was an amazing team, a wonderful group of people, and the story we were telling was also really amazing. And one of my favorite things was the fight choreography. <laughs> Because <laughs> we have this running joke that whenever we all work together, we have to beat me up. <laughs> Essentially, we have to do some fight choreography because it's always so much fun and I love it. I'm always about it. And the reason why I love it so much, not only is it fun, but it's with people that I trust with everything. I know that going in, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really safe and it's going to look really good. And it's, that's why I just always really enjoy doing that. And so now it's just like a big joke. <laughs> Every time we just talk about how, oh, let's let's get Nicole in here so we can do some fight choreography. <laughs> but truth, truth be told, I mean, I just adore them both so much. And it's been incredible to see all the wonderful things they're bringing together. I'm so glad I got to be part of the rehearsal process for an oak tree it was so much fun it was great to get to to you know even though we were in a rehearsal space i still got to be on stage essentially with joe and like it was just really really great and i'm just um so grateful for them and all the things that they're doing and just having them as friends in my life is just amazing and that i just adore them <laughs> this felt to me like like i say back in school uh, i was an undergrad when this play was sort of taking Broadway by storm and um, there was a production at UNLV many 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 um, years ago and then I sort of noticed you know in recent years you start seeing the plays of, of Martin McDonough and um, oh, who's another guy I think even uh, Alistair McDowell to some extent of this this sort of regional plays in in McDonough's case and in Friel's case you know these Irish plays it felt like that uh, uh, Lunasa really sort of laid the groundwork for this Irish storytelling to come. Am I wrong about that? Well, Friel's known as the Irish Chekhov. Yeah. And I watched a documentary about Friel, which I found pretty interesting. Um, when you think of Ireland, you think of it raining all the time, yeah. right? And, and you see that a lot in, in these Irish plays. There's, there's a mood to them. But when Friel uh, talked about Lunasa, he imagined... Uh, the story taking place in the Mediterranean as if the sun is coming out. Uh, it's a moment in time and, uh, where these sisters, even though they bicker and they fight and they have these, uh, you know, bits of moments where they um, come up against each other, 
it's a it's a beautiful moment in time that really shows their love for each other and therefore that is why he had this imagery of it being said in the Mediterranean. It is a magical moment. It's a, it's a magical memory in Michael's mind's eye. I'm, lo- I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think Barbara has picked a perfect cast and a, just a beautiful play. I'm, I'm truly looking forward to it. Brandy, when can we see this one? We can see Dancing at Lunasa at Vegas Theater Company. We open on April 5th. And we close April 22nd. This is a limited run. Yeah. It is a limited three-week run. Three so it will include run. two Monday night industry nights. Two Monday nights. And I'm not sure about an outburst on this one yet. We need to... It depends. Oh, I have to ask Daz. He'll probably say yes. He's such a sweet <laughs> man. Um, he might tell us a story. That would be... He's done an outburst <laughs> for us before. Yes. He, he was on stage for, for an outburst. Yeah, that'd be great. His mother's Irish. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Did she audition for the play? <laughs> I think I, I suspect she might live in Australia. That would oh, be a bit of a commute. That's yes. fair. That's a good, good, good point. Good point. We're closing out this season with uh, our final reading of this season. Another returning playwright. I'm counting the returning playwrights. Craig Wright, uh, who wrote uh, Recent Tragic Events and introduced us to um, An Oak Tree. This play was introduced to us by one of last season's playwrights, Audrey Cephaly mentioned the impact that this this play had on her. Craig writes The Pavilion, and Marie, you and I are directing that reading. Do you remember the moment uh, uh, Audrey talked about it and we sort of perked up a little bit? Do you remember that? Yeah, she said that she was in the audience uh, of Pavilion, and she, she didn't use these words, but I'll, I'll, I'll interpret them <laughs> That basically she was like snot crying through the, yeah. <laughs> the whole <laughs> yeah. performance. She was just weeping and weeping and weeping because Craig Wright had done such a good do- job of crafting the story and that she admired Craig Wright for his ability uh, to put these ideas on the page and to be able to move people in such a way and that she wanted to emulate uh, his writing style in her in her works. And she did. There's a play that she sent us um, the last one more, I think it's called, that uh, we're taking a serious look at. And I can see the, the influence that, that, that he's, he's had on her. Hi, guys. This is Sarah, the Brit. So appreciate all your hard work. And I just love the look of amazement on people's faces when I tell them we have great, great theater in Vegas. Love you guys. Brandy, what's the pavilion about? You're asking the wrong person because <laughs> this is the one that I've not had a chance to read oh, all you're the kidding. way through. Holy cow. No, I, I was not available for our table read. Um, what I know And we that, had you in the lobby through all the auditions for, <laughs> I know. for this those, one. All those poor souls. What is this about? <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, this is about Pluto. No, it's, no, it's no, nice. No, no, no. no, this, no one, this, this is about a high school reunion. It this is. is about uh, long lost loves at a high school reunion. And my impression is that, and how the universe handles that. Well, it's a, it, it is, let, let uh, me do this one. It's a, it is a, it's a three-actor play. Can't say it's a three-character play, but I can say it's a three-actor play that takes place in Minnesota uh, during a 20-year high school reunion, yeah. Don't you know? Yes, indeed. And it is about, it is about lost love. It is about spending 20 years um, regretting a decision that may have cost you the love of your life. And two people who have come back to this high school reunion um, and see each other for the first time after years and years of regret and longing and all of that stuff. Now, it's a three-actor play, so those obviously those two actors play 
a boy and girl who who meet again. But then there's a narrator, Amory. You want to talk a little bit about the narrator? But let me just say before before you do, one of the things that I really love about Craig Wright and respect about Craig Wright, um, we share this, I think, is his love for theatrical... Um, Device. Device. Yeah. I, 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 he might say gimmick. I don't know. A gimmick is a is a tough. He likes he likes theatrical devices. Not just talking to the audience, but but also I'll just remind uh, audiences who saw our production of recent tragic events. You know, in 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 that play, a Craig Wright play, uh, the stage manager comes out and and flips a coin and and says, depending upon how the coin lands, the play will go in a certain direction. Uh, he has um, uh, a character in. In that play, portrayed as a sock puppet. Um, now, I don't know if this, if this, if the pavilion is as broadly theatrical, but it, it does have some theatrical devices in it. Oh, it's very theatrical because the narrator. First of all, uh, we should include a, a little fun fact about Craig Wright. Is prior to him becoming a very serious playwright, he was studying to be, I think, a Jesuit priest, uh, and. Uh, Maybe we should do some fact-checking about that. <laughs> um, but I, I know he was very interested in religion. And then he pivoted. And so the way this play opens is actually with the narrator um, recreating uh, the words of Genesis in, in the Bible, but doing it through... The, the lens of it's not that Craig Wright is rewriting the Bible, but he, the play starts off like in the beginning, um, the earth was created, and he moves us through time really quickly uh, to Minnesota and to this family and to this this high school reunion. But what's so interesting about the narrator is not only do they set the stage as to where we are in time and space and location. But this narrator also plays all of the people uh, at the high school reunion. So there's a lot of hard switches uh, and fast transitions of um, this narrator being a man and a woman and going back to a man and playing all of these different people that you would see at your high school reunion. All, all of the people that aren't uh, Peter and Kari, our, our protagonists. Yeah, or Kari. Uh, we haven't lovers. decided that. Uh. Uh, yeah, you've decided calling me out on that but okay <laughs> <laughs> well that this is good you know we have to have that discussion yeah I I, I, I'm, I I had an actor who made a pretty good argument for for Kari just as a as a midwestern Scandinavian uh, I name. like it yeah well we'll see and maybe I'll be convinced the other way it's spelled K-A-R-I I think if it was Carrie it would be spelled C-A-R-R-I-E all of the Carries that spelled it K-A-R-I yeah that I knew in high school in Michigan, uh-huh. said Carrie. Oh, good Lord. All right. Well, there's <laughs> a lot of decisions to be made about, yes. about, about this play. My name is Marcus Weiss, and I've had the absolute pleasure and honor and joy of performing for A Public Fit with Anne-Marie and Joe on numerous occasions. And my journey with them has been a journey of the expansion of my heart and my inner light, which translates out into an enormous smile that you might not be able to see in this podcast, but I hope you can feel. I love you all. Thank you. Well, uh, once again, I, I love going uh, back into the library because we can take a risk. Yeah. I'm really, well, this is a risky play. Oh, it's risky. And we can uh, really explore the play itself, but, you know, I'm a sucker for romance and unrequited love, and I remember there was a moment in the callbacks that we had last week where they were doing a section of the play where, um, is it Peter? Mm-hmm. 
Peter's pouring his heart out, trying to win, win back Carrie, and he's trying to, you know, change the laws of how the universe operates. He's trying to tamper with physics. And even though I've read the play, I was like, Joe, we got to keep going. We got to see how this ends. Yeah. <laughs> I was so moved by the performances in, in the callback situation because the writing was so good, the auditions, uh, the acting was so good in that callback that I was moved to tears. Yeah. A you can see why Audrey Sefley might have been snot crying through this I, one. And I, I hope that, that we can um, do justice to this play because of how, how, how sincere and touching. It's not, it's not syrupy. It's really truthful. It's really truthful. And I think a lot of people go through situations where they don't end up with maybe the person that they should have ended up with. Yeah. Yeah. Are you excited about this season? I love this season. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, I'm so deeply invested in all of the directors, all of the actors who auditioned, all of the staff, the plays themselves. Uh, I'm working all the time That's at true. it, and it doesn't feel like work because I love the season so much. Ten years. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Would you like to know when you can see Pavilion? Yes. When can we get me back on track, Randy? <laughs> when can we see you the Pavilion? You can see Pavilion at the Clark County Library uh, in just under a year. <laughs> we have a lot of time to, yeah. we have a lot of time to determine your, whether it's Carrie or Kari, I guess. Put, put it on your calendars now, folks. <laughs> Okay, on either the evening of June 28th or the afternoon of June 29th. Two performances of that one as well. And we should, as long as we're shouting out to Vegas Theater Company, we should also shout out to Suzanne Scott and the Las Vegas Library uh, District. The, 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 um, the partnership that we forged with them has been really, really Love uh, them. just valuable um, for us. So a, a big shout out to Suzanne Scott and everyone over at, uh, at the Las Vegas Library. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's leave it there for, for now. Keeping in mind uh, that uh, Behind the Buzz will be back with episodes for each and every one of the plays that we've talked about today. Uh, Am and I will, will be there. And I'm pretty confident that we're going to hear from some brand new artists as well as some old friends, I think. I think I've got some, um, some favorites on the line. Uh, we've got a couple playwrights already waiting in the wings. And, and, and who knows, maybe even a surprise guest or two. I want to thank Brandy Blackman for joining us. It's fun to put a voice to the silent figure that runs the booth. I know. If, I, if I'm if i doing my job right, you guys, you don't know I'm there. So. <laughs> well, you're, you're here now. But <laughs> and one last favor to you out there, though, please take a moment uh, to give us a quick review. And maybe not just here on the podcast, uh, Yelp, Google, hell, even TripAdvisor. Anything helps so that when people search for theater in Las Vegas, um, a public fit leaps to the top of the list. Or if you want to contact, contact us directly, I've mentioned this before, I'll say it again, drop us an email to behindthebuzz at apublicfit.org. Um, we really want you to feel involved in, in, in these conversations because there's one thing you can say about art in Las Vegas. There is so much to talk about. Behind the Buzz is a product of a public fit theater company. It is directed by Anne-Marie Preth, and me, Joe Coogan, and is recorded, mixed, and edited by the Ostrobogulus Diane Walton. What does that word mean? Look it up.